0: came all this way for one reason and one reason only and that is to play for you tonight this ode to roe v wade
1: Woo. okay i don't
0: have strong opinions on abortion but i do know some like, otherwise very nice women who after having an abortion throw a party, uh, that that seems to me perverse. Uh, there's another woman I dated who said she'd never had abortion, but her attitude was abortion is just something every woman goes through. So I guess I'm, I'm legally pro choice and morally pro life. I think in 99% of occasions, having an abortion is an immoral thing to do but I'm not sure I want to make it illegal for the first trimester anyway. On the other hand, I'm not radically for making it illegal. I'm not radically for keeping it legal. I don't really have any strong opinions on it. That makes me just a terrible live streamer. I have really strong opinions on almost nothing. It is a classic case of liberalism versus democracy. So the way our elites speak to us, the way the news media speak to us, it's that uh, democracy and and liberalism, they're, they're just like ham and eggs. Well, liberalism is about our rights, right? Sustaining our rights. And I noticed all this talk about right to an abortion. So almost all the the rights talk with regard to abortion, it's about the right of women to have abortions. And almost none of it is about the right of the unborn to live. <laughs> you would think that if you want to talk rights with regard to abortion, that may be the, the right of the unborn to live. So, this is, this is, if, if this becomes the final ru- ruling, it is a triumph for democracy, right? If you are pro-democracy, then you will like this ruling because this ruling overturning Roe v. Wade will make abortion something that uh, politicians decide meaning that voters decide, people get to vote on whether or not you have a right to just unlimited amounts of abortion, at least for the first three months. So if you're pro-democracy, and that's your overwhelming value, democracy, then you have to like this putative ruling. I am not overwhelmingly pro-democracy. I am moderately pro-democracy. So sometimes I think experts know best. Sometimes I am all for delegating these things to experts, but not in this case, not on this red button moral issue. I'm not saying, oh, we should just delegate this to the judges and they've already decided and it's a right.
2: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. First up, polls have just closed in the Ohio Senate primary. One state, one primary early in the season, and yet the results could determine what the Republican Party looks like going forward. So we're gonna follow those for you and bring you any updates we have. But first tonight, if you listen carefully to leaders of the Democratic Party, and we do, you would think America was built on a single court decision from 1973. The very same people who consider the Bill of Rights a racist relic and quickly dismiss it out of hand, those same people quickly become emotional as they describe the sublime beauty of Roe v.ersus Wade. Yesterday, one Democratic office holder described the Roe decision as, quote, sacred. And it's not an overstatement. For many Democrats, it is sacred. They will tell you, and they mean it, that this country cannot continue without Roe. Without Roe, darkness will descend. America will revert to slavery and cannibalism and other varieties of Hobbesian misery so gruesome they're best left undescribed.
0: But- so I recently read the four-part series the New York Times produced this weekend on Tucker Carlson. They note that his monologues have gotten longer and longer and longer. So back in 2017, when he first started out with a daily Fox News show, his monologues were short, if there were any at all, and he engaged much more with uh, liberals. But minute-by-minute ratings analyses showed that people preferred to hear from Tucker directly and to hear from other people on the right. So his monologues have gotten longer and longer and longer, become an increasingly uh, large part of the show, and I think for, for good reason. All right, M- Many of the debates with, with liberals, with the very limited amount of time that you have to debate on, people TV, they were just pro forma people going through the motions, so I think delivering impassioned monologues is, is something that Tucker does really well.
2: Between a bright new tomorrow and the hell of the Handmaid's Tale stands only Roe v. Wade. They're telling you that on channels right now across the spectrum. It's all pretty bewildering if you consider what Roe v. Wade actually is, and that is true no matter what you think of abortion itself, whether you're strongly for legal abortion. The decision... As a decision, Roe v. Wade is a widely acknowledged joke. Moral questions aside, Roe is the most embarrassing court decision handed down in the last century. Every part of it, from its invented constitutional justification to its meaningless parameters, mocks the idea of sober jurisprudence. The point of the Supreme Court is to interpret the Constitution. Abortion is not mentioned or alluded to in the Constitution. Roe is invented whole cloth. And if you don't believe it, Reread it 49 years later. Go ahead and try it. It'll make you blush. The Roe decision turns out to be a period piece from the early 70s, like Sideburns or the AMC Gremlin. It's the triumph of faddish political trends over the law. So the fact that the Roe decision was, in fact, shoddy and shameful is hardly a partisan opinion. In fact, plenty of Democrats, including a lot of ardent pro-choicers, have acknowledged that over the years because it's true. And that would include, by the way, Joe Biden. Joe Biden has always supported legal abortion. But nine years after the road is.
0: So this such is an important issue. What's more important to you? Philosophical principles, highfalutin legal principles. Are you more interested in principles or in your interests? So if your interests are pro-abortion, then you're going to like the effects of Roe v. Wade and you're going to like Roe v. Wade, even if it's shoddy law. If you are opposed to the effects of Roe v. Wade, you're going to oppose it even if it were stellar law. So one thing, one way that my thinking has developed over the past seven years is increasing shift to the importance of interests over principles. So sometimes principles are more important than interests, but generally speaking, as I converted to Orthodox Judaism, began to see life more from a tribal perspective, and therefore develop more empathy for other people who see life from, primarily from a tribal perspective, yeah, most of the time, it makes more sense to look at the world through the lens of your interests rather than through the lens of abstract principles. So looking at the world through the lens of abstract principles is more something that Anglos do, or about the only people in the world who see things in terms of universal morality. So pretty much everyone else employs in-group versus out-group morality. So there's one morality for how they treat their in-group, and then how you treat out-groups doesn't matter much. That's the way of the world with the exception of Anglos.
2: ...decision was handed down. He was still willing to admit it was indefensible as a legal decision. Pregnant women, Biden explained in 1982 as a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, should not have, quote, the sole right to say what should happen to their unborn children, because after all, no one creates children alone. It takes two people. That's obvious. In fact, Biden concluded, Roe had gone, quote, too far. And of course it had gone too far. That was obvious then, it's obvious now. Then as now, many Americans believe that abortion is murder. Many other Americans consider abortion a prerequisite to happiness. Now those are unreconcilable positions, but thankfully in a democracy we have a solution to quandaries like this, and it's called voting. If we don't like something-
0: Okay, breaking
2: news. Apparently
0: Ethan Ralph, live streamer, was uh, detained while live streaming at the uh, US Supreme Court.
3: Laws, do so they you, They're told? detaining me, and they don't so know there yet. There's No. There's nothing on you, so no. nothing on
4: you at all? No. You're telling me the truth? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna take this. You're taking that?
1: I didn't turn that off. The cops turned that off, by the way.
3: OK.
2: Something in America, if you want to change it, we elect representatives to act on our behalf. If they do what we ask them to do, we reelect them. That's the reward. If they don't, we vote them out. That's the punishment. That's how our system works. For hundreds of years, we have used that system to resolve plenty of complex and thorny moral issues, not just abortion, many others. And it has worked well. And that's why this has always been a stable country, because we get to rule ourselves. Roe versus Wade took that right away. In a single 1973 decision, the high court banned democracy from the debate over abortion. Justices prohibited the states from enacting abortion restrictions that their own citizens strongly preferred. That meant that going forward, Alabama would be required to have the same abortion laws as Massachusetts. Now, some people love this. Of course, people in Massachusetts loved it. People in Alabama hated it. But there was nothing anybody could do about it because the Supreme Court had cut voters out of the equation. And as a result of that, the issue of abortion was never resolved. Things are not resolved by fiat. They're only resolved by consent. That's the core idea in democracy, and it's true. So as a result of this short-circuiting of democracy, demands from the left forced it. As a result of that, for nearly 50 years, this issue has festered. It has given Americans yet another reason to dislike each other. It has divided the country. And now, finally, after 49 years, voters might have their rightful say over what to do about abortion, as is their right. According to a piece last night in the blog Politico, the majority of justices on the Supreme Court are ready to overturn Roe. Justice Alito said so very clearly in a draft opinion that you can read yourself because it's circulating on the Internet. Now we shouldn't be able to read that draft opinion. It's not for public consumption. A final official decision on Roe is supposed to be months away. And yet, an unnamed liberal operative short-circuited this ancient process, which has worked well for hundreds of years. This person leaked the opinion, and not by accident. The point of leaking the opinion was to intimidate conservative justices into reversing course. Mob justice. Now, if you're shocked by that, you shouldn't be. Remember that it's not so different from what we saw this January, when another unnamed liberal operative leaked the news that Justice Stephen Breyer was planning on retiring. And that news forced Stephen Breyer to retire, which liberal operatives wanted him to do because he was a white man. So that was, in other words, another op, one of many we're now seeing in our country. And as if to prove that, within moments of this story breaking last night, a mob formed a flash mob. At the Supreme Court, watch.
4: Hey,
2: hey, oh, ho. Sexy well, the upside is they're not telling you it's your body, your choice. Even these people couldn't pull that off with a straight face after forcing millions of Americans to inject an experimental drug against their will or be fired. Do you remember that? So they can't claim you have bodily autonomy anymore because you demonstrably don't. So instead they move to name calling. You're a fascist if you disagree. So
0: 12 hours ago, Ben Shapiro tweeted, I'm sorry the Constitution is happening to you. To
2: agree with them. And they've been honing those talking points because they've been preparing for this moment for quite some time. The Supreme Court, everyone knows, is currently debating the constitutionality of a Mississippi law that... Based-
0: okay, so people want to know how are abortion fights a proxy for race? This is a topic covered in the New York Times back in September of 2021, a topic I, I covered on my show about six months ago. Why is abortion such a divisive topic in the United States when it's not nearly as intense in Europe or in Australia, because abortion fights are not really about abortion. Abortion was a way to rally Protestants, Catholics, and trads, right? Natural supporters of the Republican Party. This was a cause that we denied all these disparate elements of the Republican Party. So starting in the 1970s, conservative activists saw they weren't going to be able to unite uh, these groups around, oh, we need to retain IRS tax breaks for racially discriminatory private schools. But uh aha, abortion, you take this issue, you sacralize it, and you make it a proxy, essentially for race. It's a proxy for traditional attitudes. It's an issue that attracts support from many constituencies who would not otherwise necessarily vote Republican. So it's a way of bringing these various groups into the Republican Party. And essentially, most of most of these groups are dominantly white. So it's abortion fights, fighting against the right to an abortion essentially become a, a proxy fight for standing up for your tribe, your white tribe. So almost all proxy fights are tribal and racial at their core. So Northern Ireland is not really Protestant versus Roman Catholic, it's a tribal fight. And Jews versus Muslims in the Middle East is not primarily about religion, it's a tribal fight. So when you get down to it, things become tribal. That's usually the bottom line for most human conflicts between in groups and out groups.
2: Bans abortion after 15 weeks. Now, during oral arguments in this case in December, Justice Alito noted that, quote, the fetus has an interest in having a life. Now, that's true. But when he said that, plans for retaliation began. No one wanted Sam Alito to vote the wrong way. And now those plans are underway. And it's no exaggeration to say that once this stuff gets going, you don't know where it winds up. People could get hurt because of this leak. You'd hate to think that could happen, and you'd hate even more to think anyone wanted that to happen. But people do, and here they are. Ada Chavez works for The Nation. She's some kind of reporter. She just tweeted that it's, quote, good that conservative justices and their families will, quote, have their lives threatened. She's in favor of that. Over at Vox.com, Ian Milheiser added, quote, seriously, shout out to whoever the hero was within the Supreme Court who said, F it, let's burn this place down. Oh, we don't get what we want? We'll just burn it down. Government by tantrum. You've seen that before. Brian Fallon, the executive director of the thoroughly thuggish activist group Demand Justice, or else, which is implied, said this, quote, Is a brave clerk taking this unprecedented step of leaking a draft opinion to warn the country what's coming in a last-ditch Hail Mary to see if the public response might cause the court to consider? Oh, the public response, like, do what we want or we'll hurt you? Again, we've seen that before. Let's stop pretending. These are threats of violence, obviously. The CEO of Planned Parenthood is now calling on activists to storm state Capitol buildings. Watch this. We know that
5: this decision is going to enrage people. We know, we've already seen what's happened when people find out uh, that, um, when they found out what was happening in Texas, they started filling state houses in Florida. They started filling state houses in other places because they know that the fight right now is on the ground and in these states. And so we are gonna continue to capture that rage.
2: Oh, we're going to capture that rage. People get angry, and you wouldn't like us when we're angry. What, didn't we have a system? Didn't we have democratic norms we were supposed to? I remember
0: this this nice, nice uh, liberal lady, a, a friend of mine, just a wonderful person, but uh, she said, There's no way we're going to allow Trump to be reelected in 2020. Like, we'll go out and, and we'll bomb this country if necessary. We will do anything to stop Trump's reelection.
2: Observe if you don't like something, isn't there a Process for resolving that. Don't you elect people to see your will put into law? Not anymore. You just storm capitals. But wait a second, says the attuned television viewer. Isn't storming capitals to thwart democracy and insurrection? Oh, no. Only under certain circumstances, not when the abortion people do it, not when they announce their plans on CNN. When that happens, it's a good thing. Already, the leaders of the Democratic Party are vowing to use this draft decision as a pretext to eliminate the filibuster and pack the Supreme Court. Now, here's the best part. All of this is happening in the name of democracy, so that you will never have a chance to vote on something that matters to you, like abortion. And by the way, it matters to you whether you're for it or against it. But so that you won't have a chance to ever vote on something like that, they're going to thwart democracy. Here's a former U.S. attorney explaining that the conservative justices on the Supreme Court are, in fact, insurrectionists.
6: I think it's not too great a stretch to say there is some connection between an effort to overturn an election and an effort to overturn Roe. And and it's this, as I've been thinking about it. there There is a segment of the ideological spectrum now who thinks it has certain kinds of powers and wants to engage in radical efforts to overturn things that they don't like. There's no more incrementalism. There's no more compromise. You don't like the results of an election. You storm the Capitol and you talk about hanging the vice president of the United States
2: and you get the presidency back. Yeah, it's like overturning an election. I mean, you listen to something like that and there are like nine points you could make in response. Then you have to ask either the person saying that is so stupid that he doesn't understand what he's saying or he's willing to say absolutely anything to stop the other side. And that's, of course, what you're watching. These people aren't stupid. They're just dishonest. Now, the thread, the consistent note in all of these clips is that none of the people yammering about this draft opinion written by Sam Alito have actually read it. And you know that because they don't even attempt to respond to the legal arguments because legal arguments are immaterial, just as they-
0: Okay, this is Tucker Carlson at his best. So the place that I turned to seek commentary on this matter is I went to Steve Saylor's comment section. So here are some of the most interesting comments I found there. Uh, one thing here from the chat, New York City subway shooter said that Planned Parenthood was a way to de-life millions of single mother blacks. It was a Holocaust. And uh, a lot of my right-wing friends says this is a gift to the left. They really needed that boost of energy. Here's some of the comments on Steve Saylor. If there is any chance at all that this could once again make people serious about sex and human relationships, it won't be a bad thing. How many human lives will it say? Probably not many. Downsizes it, weaponizes the abortion issue at a time when Democratic prospects otherwise are looking bad. Gives them something to campaign on that may win them some votes. So who exactly is going to change their vote to Democrat because of this? The upside is that it makes people aware that the only thing Democrats have going for them is that they're in favor of people letting, letting people murder unborn children. Uh, rejoined to look up the statistics of people who have abortions. They're not the kinds of people we want breeding. Gosh, got to disavow. Didn't the New York Times say that 70% of women who have abortions are women of color? The U.S. justice who wrote this is perfectly correct, saying the U.S. Constitution does not grant the right to abortion. It never occurred to our founding fathers to think of such a thing. Now, we could vote for a constitutional amendment granting the right to abortion. That could settle the issue. In the short term, if abortion disappears, more unwed when women are going to end up on welfare. So this will be a financial burden on blue states that they can't afford. So it will spike the number of babies given to adoption agencies, create a large generation of unwanted children who are psychologically messed up and probably criminally inclined. So it may well be a social disaster. Abortion is the holiest sacrament in the progressive religion since it frees women up to work and have sex lives like men. Middle-income women will become a lot more discriminating in who they hook up with. Yeah, I'm going to be much more careful about how I conduct myself on Tinder now. Right now, they're quite discriminating about social status and height. Now they need to think about, is the guy going to stick around? The biggest winners out of all this, dorky Asian men. So does life begin at conception? So every time a couple of gamemes bump into each other, something sacred has been created. Since most pregnancies end in natural abortion early on, does this mean God is the ultimate murderer? Speculation at Powerline is this leak came from one of the most left-wing justices, probably Sotomayor, who is by far the dumbest and most political of the nine justices. As any law clerk leaking an opinion will be kissing his legal career goodbye. So this will likely cause great contention between the right and left. It could solidify divisions on the US Supreme Court, make conservative justice, including Chief Justice Roberts, even less likely to work with the liberal ones. So the liberal justices may have lost their swing vote in Roberts. It will certainly spike the number of babies given up to adoption agencies. You talk to any couples who are trying to adopt, trying to find a white American baby without any birth defects, is like finding a needle in the haystack. And uh, very few Jewish women uh, give up in, uh, in America, give up children for abortion. So Intelligent Dyson comments on Steve Saylor's this is epochal. The portent of this news will not be grasped for a long time. The future generations will look back on today as the day when sanity began returning to the West. The progressive agenda is being undone by reality. As a result of this ruling, we will have stronger families, saner women, economic parity between capital and labor, less politicization of medicine. leak will only end up severely hurting the Democrats and the left. The leak will be discovered. If it turns out that a justice was involved, that justice will be impeached and removed to protect the integrity of the court. The left miscalculated calculated badly with this one. It's strange how all well the armchair legal scholars are yelling this will throw the November election to the Democrats. Majority of the American electorate is pro-life. Yeah, but about 70% of the electorate supports some limited uh, access to abortion. So even though Trump failed to deliver on most of his promises, number one, he was great on immigration. And the one promise he did particularly deliver on was the Supreme Court and is about to start paying off in spades. So who is the most likely clerk to leak this. And uh, Justice Sotomayor has a clerk named a meet, meet Jane. So this is the Supreme Court clerk who allegedly turned over that, uh, that brief Let's have a look here. So Josh Gerstein has cited him in the past. So this is the guy who very likely turned over this brief. He's an attorney in Brooklyn. His whole career has been left-wing projects. People overestimate both abortion's popularity and its reach as a galvanizing issue on the electorate. Well, how will forcing the stripper to have a kid out of wedlock strengthen your family or my family? Is the stripper going to magically transform herself into a trad wife blessed with a pregnancy she doesn't want. No one is going to be more likely to view sex as a potent procreative force if abortion is restricted in their state. Most white women who want abortions will spend a few hundred dollars extra and travel to a state where abortion is legal and get one. The ones who don't will be the most stupid and drug-addicted ones. The amount of unwanted offspring aborted vastly outnumbers the amount of children that come here through illegal immigration. What is the sense of opposing the latter while restricting abortion? Oh, right, sex is supposed to be special. How many voters are really so gung-ho on killing babies that they care more about that than the soaring prices of everything child grooming agenda and race war hangover? Right, a fair number, but they are the ones who tend to vote Democrat anyway. So some of the sharpest opinions on the Steve Saylor blog. They
2: were when the seven justices in 1973 produced Roe v. Wade. They didn't even consider really what the Constitution had to say about it because they didn't care. That's why it's an embarrassing decision. So instead of assessing what Alito wrote, they just accuse him of terrorism. Overturning precedent is an act of insurrection, says the federal prosecutor on TV. Really? So any Supreme Court decision must remain in place.
0: Uh, Bell says uh, Bill Gates's mom's main charity was Planned Parenthood. Bill Gates supports it too. So Bill Gates says overpopulation. We have three solutions education, vaccines and uh, medical procedures, okay, meaning abortion.
2: ...forever or else you're committing an act of insurrection. Hmm, legal scholars out there, are there any Supreme Court decisions through the ages that were overturned and that were happy were overturned? Yeah, probably quite a few. Plessy versus Ferguson, anyone? But it doesn't matter. The legal experts are screaming about fascism and they're telling you it's only a matter of time before the Supreme
7: Court brings back segregation, if not slavery. Watch. This is just the beginning. Next, they'll go after gay marriage, and and maybe maybe uh, uh, the board, the what is it, Brown versus Board of Education? Yeah, they already eroded our voting rights. Oh my God! Oh
0: my God! We may return power to local communities to decide what kind of schools they want to have. Whether people want to have uh, gay marriage or not. So. She's arguing that uh, this decision might restore more democracy to America, and that's a bad thing. It's a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So
7: I see some. I see fascism down the line here. Why?
0: Wow! More democracy equals fascism down the line.
2: Fascism down the line. You know, it's it's almost. You know, it almost detracts from us to play you something like that. But that show has real ratings. People listen to someone like that who literally couldn't navigate it. A checkout scanner telling you what the Supreme Court draft opinion might mean, despite the fact she's totally capable of reading it or anything else longer than a tweet. Whatever. She clearly didn't read what Alito wrote. Alito did actually, by the way, anticipate this argument that if you do this, all kinds of other terrible things are going to happen. He said it right out loud. Here's what he wrote for all the people who will never read it. And we're quoting what is distinctive about abortion, wrote Alito. Is its effect on what Roe termed potential life? Abortion is what he said is a unique issue. Quote To ensure that our decision is not misunderstood or mischaracterized, comma, we emphasize that our decision concerns the constitutional right to abortion and no other right. Uh- so they're not trying to bring back slavery or legalize cannibalism or make it illegal for you to vote. What they're trying to do is allow you to vote on abortion. That's how dishonest these people are. If Roe v. Wade gets goes away, you get to vote on abortion. And if you're a pro-lifer, that's good news. If you're a pro-choice activist, that's a good news. Why wouldn't you want your democracy to function? You don't want to vote on it? You want some elderly person to tell you what to do? No. It's a democracy. You vote. But no one on television is saying that. Instead, they're demagoguing. In their hysteria, in fact, they're nullifying all the gender rules they've just concocted, which is gratifying to watch. They don't realize it, but it's fun to see it. At CNN, for example, which spent all last year telling you that men can get pregnant. Oh, yes, they can. Suddenly, they've rediscovered the meaning of the word woman.
8: Well, forgive me, I seem to be losing my voice, so you'll hear me a little bit differently, but it seems to be in line with how women are losing their rights in this country. This opinion can be, if true, narrowed down and defined quite simply. Women are not viewed as equal to men.
0: Well, women are far more hostile to abortion than men are. So much for that way of thinking. All right, let's have a look at this great Thomas Edsel column in the New York Times back on September 15, 2021. So... Opinions on abortion are essentially a proxy for racial attitudes. Whites who score high on measures of racial resentment and racial grievance are far more likely to support strict limits on abortion than whites who score low on those measures. This is part of a larger picture in which racial attitudes are increasingly linked with opinions on a wide range of disparate issues, including social welfare, gun control, immigration, and climate change. So these issues are closely interconnected with racial attitudes. And this is a key factor in the deep polarization within the electorate. So abortion wasn't always this huge role in American politics. What happened is that key leaders of the conservative movement late 1970s and early 1980s, such as Richard Vigory, Paul Weyrich, Phyllis Schlafly, Jerry Falwell, wanted to expand their base beyond those opposed to the civil rights movement, all right? And conservative strategists suffered on a concerted effort to politicize abortion because it dodged the race issue and it offered the opportunity to unify conservative Catholics and evangelicals. So the anti-abortion movement has been remarkably successful at convincing observers that the positions individuals take on, their, on the abortion issue always follow in a deductive way from their moral principles. They don't. So in 1978, the hostile reaction to an IRS proposal to impose taxes on churches running segregated private schools meaning children white southerners seeking to avoid federally mandated school integration orders and we also with with busing in the 1970s we suddenly had the first time an explosion in Los Angeles of Jewish schools and a lot of Jewish centrist and center-right politicians came out of that movement so conservatives have a hostile reaction to the IRS wanting to take away tax deductions on racially segregated private schools. So they tried to mobilize and evangelical parishioners thought through the creation of the moral majority, they would find an issue with abortion that could bring together a much larger constituency. So building a new movement around the burning issue of defending the tax advantages of racially segregated schools was not going to be a viable strategy on the national stage. So stop the taxes on segregation just wasn't going to inspire the kind of broad-based conservative counter-revolution that they envisioned. So after a long and contentious debate, conservative strategists came to a consensus. They landed upon the one surprising word that would supply the key to the political puzzle of the age, abortion. So abortion opponents, much more likely to be committed to a patriarchal worldview, in which the control of reproduction of female sexuality is thought to be central in maintaining a hierarchy that sustains the family, which is under threat from secular modern forces. and even though this is all coming from a left-wing secular perspective, I think they're absolutely right. So Judaism is opposed to abortion. Judaism, generally speaking, traditional Judaism, definitely regards abortion as killing, but most rabbis have not regarded it as murder. So not all forms of killing are murder. So killing is taking a life. Murder is immoral killing. And there are moral gradations to killing. So it wasn't always such a big deal in American politics. Fifty years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention adopted a liberal resolution on abortion. But uh, that that changed. So there was a 1990 meeting of conservatives in Washington at which conservative activist Paul Wyrick spoke, spoke. He said, the religious right did not come together in response to the Roe decision. No, what got the movement going as a political movement Was the attempt on the part of the Internal Revenue Service to rescind the tax exempt status of Bob Jones University because of its racially discriminatory policies, including a ban on interracial dating, the university maintained until 2000. So I went to an evangelical Christian school, Forest Lake Christian Academy, and they really got behind sending people to Forest Lake, uh, to Bob Jones University. So most people who went to Forest Lake Christian were politically conservative. And going to Bob Jones was kind of the thing to do. So opposition to abortion became a convenient diversion. It became a godsend to distract from what motivated this political activism, meaning the defense of racial segregation in Christian institutions. So politicians who have become adamant foes of abortion, right? When open racism is unfashionable, or when speaking honestly about race is unfashionable, These politicians needed a more high-minded issue, one that would not compel them to surrender their fundamental political orientation. So the beauty of defending a fetus is that the fetus demands nothing in return. It's fairly low-risk advocacy. So 1970s America, you had all these surging rights movements, rights for African Americans, women's rights, reproductive rights, gay rights, rights for criminal defendants and the mentally ill, and this set the stage for the explosive conservative reaction. So there is this persistent association between abortion views and ethno racial exclusion. So, being anti choice or holding exclusionary beliefs is a clear marker of Republican affiliation. Being pro choice or defining America in racially inclusive terms signals a democratic identity. And you see the same thing on a wide range of other issues from healthcare, voting rights to mask wearing and vaccination during COVID. So for the target population, particularly evangelical Protestants and conservatively inclined Catholics who these conservative activists are trying to mobilize, racial animosity and abortion attitudes are related in an indirect way, but through an aversion to intellectual elites. So the people perceived to be pushing the government's role in equal opportunity and racial integration, now the same as those pushing permissive abortion laws, meaning the highly educated from New England, from banking universities, northern cities and elsewhere. So the policy domain may differ, but the hated people are the same. So instead of religiosity driving political attitudes, the shifting political landscape in which Republicans have become associated with religious values and cultural conservatism has changed partisans' involvement with their religious communities. So some people go to a traditional religious community in large part because that's where they can socialize with other people who are right-wing. If you want to raise a family and have kids and live a monogamous life, the easiest way to do that is to integrate yourself into a religious community. If you just want to screw around, you will most likely become secular. So Republicans and Democrats select into or out of religious communities in large part based on what kind of sex life they want and what kind of community they want to live in politically. So once you select in or out of a traditional religious group, you then find yourself essentially politically homogeneous social network where you encounter less diverse political information. So churches and synagogues, less and less places where people with different political viewpoints come together, religious communities become more like echo chambers populated by like-minded partisans.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Women are losing their rights, (laughs) really. What percentage of college students at elite colleges are women? What percentage of first hires at big companies are women? Yeah, women are losing their rights. How many elections are determined by women? I'm oh, let's see, all of them. Liars, stupid people. And in fact, just to get back to the Constitution, which is the core question here, abortion does not appear there, nor has there ever been a right to abortion in, in this country. Now, if that bothers you, if you want a right to abortion, you can vote for it in the Congress. You could pass a constitutional amendment. If you actually supported democracy, that's what you would do or call for your representatives to do. But so far, nobody has. And in fact, we're moving in the other direction. Today, Joe Biden announced that democracy has been suspended. One of the reasons why I voted against a
9: number of the members in the court, they refused to acknowledge that there's a Ninth Amendment. They refused to acknowledge the right to privacy. Because, I mean, there's so many fundamental rights that are affected by that. And I'm not, allow, I'm not prepared to leave that to the, the
10: whims and the, and the, uh, of the public at the moment.
2: We can't remember the word, but we're going to piece together the sentence and we're quoting the whims of the public No longer matter. Sorry, pal, they do matter. It's a democracy. Our whims matter. So do our beliefs. We get to vote on this stuff because that's our system. You're just passing through. You'll be gone soon. The rest of us get to decide how we're governed because we're a self-governing country. We're free people. Sorry. There's a lot to unpack here, and so we thought we would stop with start, rather, with an actual lawyer, someone who knows a lot about the Supreme Court, our friend Lori Ingram, the host of the Ingram Angle.
0: Yeah, just wondering what uh, Laura Ingram has to say. I'm absolutely fascinated. All right. Instead, let's uh, tune in to podcast from September 12. Cruel to be kind. The case for abortion. Ed Dutton and Richard Spencer. Evolution
11: does not necessarily reward intelligence with no natural predators within the herd. It began
4: to simply reward those who reproduced the most and left the intelligent to become
10: an endangered species. Having kids is such an important decision. We're just waiting for the right time. It's not something you want to
0: rush into, obviously. No way. Oh shit, I'm pregnant
12: again!
6: Shit.
12: I got too many damn kids! I thought you was on the pill or some
4: shit! Hell no!
0: Must've been thinking
11: of Britney. Britney? No ginky! There's no way we could have a child now. Mm-hmm. Not with the market the way it is, no.
6: no. That just wouldn't make any sense
8: there, he don't care about you yeah well there
7: must be something
11: he likes well we finally decided to have children and I'm not pointing fingers but it's not going well
0: and this is helping
11: I'm just saying that
0: before
10: I have in vitro maybe you should be willing That's to. it's always me right Well. Not my sperm count. <laughs> yeah! I'm gonna fuck all of you!
12: That's my boy!
4: Yeah! Yeah!
11: Cleavon is lucky to be alive. He attempted to jump a jet ski from a lake into a swimming pool and impaled his crotch on an iron gate. But thanks to recent advances in stem cell research and the fine work of doctors Krinsky and Altschuler, Cleavon should regain full reproductive function.
12: Trains your hands on my junk!
13: Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that, that they, they don't seem to understand, they shoot themselves in the foot, these um, pro-life type people, is that we have detailed data on the kind of people that get abortions. And we have detailed data on the heritability of the traits that are involved. Women that have abortions are helping to remove people like them, that is to say, antisocial, unpleasant people, from the gene pool. Yeah, we must
11: be cruel only to be kind uh, is generally my attitude towards this. That's a a phrase from our guy Hamlet.
0: Okay, a little burst uh, from Richard and Ed. So one thing I found interesting on Vice, all right, remember Vice was mocking ivermectin and uh, that it was essentially horse dewormer now we see now we see that uh, they're promoting a drug a horse a horse medicine as part of a do it yourself home abortion process so when it when it brings about an abortion like horse medicine is awesome that's from vice magazine which is seeking a buyer because it's no longer economically viable right back to this great new york times article And quotes another law professor noting that anti abortion and racial segregation are explicit co travelers, but they have different chronological origins and different original audiences. So, abortion, sex control, patriarchy are a set of strong themes that develop alongside private schools with their ability to shape views of religion, sex, culture, and race, along with welfare reform and criminal law enforcement. And these things have always had race at the center of those systems. So, I see synergies with conservative politics aligning with ideas about sex, sexuality, religion, and family. So a historian at Vanderbilt adds there are three dimensions to the question of abortion. One is the obvious and genuine concern for fundamentalist Christian morality among the Southern polity. Some think abortion is wrong. Second dimension is the politicization of the issue to rile up the electorate. Then the third part of the issue, the overlooked part, is the deep resonance of state and regional sovereignty. So regional politics is defined by a resistance to federal authority. Federal government can run any aspect of regional cultural politics, then they can run it all. This has been a concern about just about everything since Reconstruction, including Lynch law, fair employment practices, the Brown decision, busing, prayer in schools, and abortion. The issue runs deep. This is the remnants of the lost cause still blowing in the political winds. So the strength of the opposition to abortion in the American South grows out of the unique tensions in the region between notions of manhood and the evangelical attempts to control the sins of men. So there's always been a tension in Southern life between the ideals of masculinity and expectations of evangelical propriety. So in the early 20th century, preachers and earnest parishioners did their part to rein in the worst excesses of Southern manhood, be they related to drink or sex or violence. So the excessive sin led to heightened evangelistic fervor. The greater the sin, the greater the salvation, meaning masculine indiscretions were subtle ways allowed, even celebrated among the church crowd as justifications for an equally aggressive response. Since the late 1970s, however, Southern evangelicalism has become more welcoming of the type of rugged masculinity that the Southern sinners of yesteryear displayed. So for theological as well as cultural and political reasons, Southern evangelical majority has increasingly embraced a muscular Christianity that deems protection of home and hearth and all facets of family values and notions of life and liberty associated with them a cause worth waging with all the force and abandon required. So the enemy is now in the Southern Evangelicals' view an effeminate liberalism and a secular humanism which means that even those leaders who might not display Christ-like temperaments or norms are welcomed into the fold. So Southern Evangelicals have jettisoned the New Testament for the Old Testament For a revival of societal reconstruction, carved out plenty of room for the rampaging politician who can impose his will, such as Donald Trump, to remake the nation in their image. So the swashbuckling southern rural politician enjoys more freedom than ever to play hard, even as he decries the sins of abortion and feminism. As saint and sinner, he's been granted the right and the freedom to lead the family values charge against Washington and its soft liberal elite. So abortion has become both polarized and moralized. And when issues become moralized, they become more difficult to resolve. When an issue becomes demoralized, as has been the case with gay marriage, it becomes increasingly likely to reach bipartisan consensus. So over the past 20 years, the percentage of the population saying that abortion is morally unacceptable has uh, stayed pretty close to 50%. Right, let's get a little bit more here from Richard and Ed.
11: Reason, like an ancient riverbed or something like that. You're just literally stumbling over, you know, T-Rex jaws and all that great stuff.
0: Oh, exciting. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um,
11: so, some of these places were...
0: And uh, JFGARAPI revealed yesterday that YouTube has demonetized him and seized about $7,000 in Super Chats. He kept quiet about it for months. Yeah, that happened to me, too, when at uh, Luke's back YouTube channel demonetized. Uh, YouTube kept about $3,000 in my Super Chats.
11: We went or actually mentioned in the first Jurassic Park. I, I think he says, I have a plane waiting in Choto. um That's where I literally was in that town. Anyway, let's get started. So we're going to talk about a very, very difficult, and divisive and and i and sometimes heart wrenching or stomach turning subject and that is abortion so this has come back to attention this whole issue of abortion seems to never really leave the political scene at least in the united states and there's for forever it's been a seemingly kind of 50-50 split between pro life and pro choice at least those monikers That's not exactly accurate, however. Um, Roughly 70 to 75% of the American public more or less supports continuing uh, the abortion laws that we have. That is, they are kind of effectively pro-choice or effectively status quo. But there certainly is a uh, very organized, very passionate um, pro-life contingent that is always there and that is – At least for the past 30 years, been associated with the Republican Party.
0: Let's get a burst here from JF Garbage. The garden is
10: in the morning in Australia right now. Well, I have uh, finalized my automated watering system for the raised bed, and this is one of the things Mm. I'm most proud of in my entire life. Way Way to go, JF. Controlled by the self. The lettuce were not doing good in the greenhouse. Their problem is why they are built that way. I mean, I see why. If you have an important role in their lives, even if you love them and you like them and you want to take care of them as good as you can, okay, that's already uh, problematic, but okay, do it. But do it in in private. Like, don't, uh, don't make symbols of these children belonging to you. Because when you enter the domain of tattoo, you enter the domain of symbols and you're telling other people something. You're telling Kanye something with these tattoos and you're telling him, I will be a better father than you because I have the tattoos, I care more about them. It's absolute uh, modern cookery. I'm totally against it. He should laser them out. <coughs> Panicked CNN guest wonders how we're going to control the channels of communications in this country. Of course, that would be a discussion to have on CNN. Let's see what they have to say. You
6: no, know, I think there's a bigger problem that when we focus on the personalities of people like Elon Musk, and people say, oh, I think Elon's thinking this or that. There's a bigger problem here about how we are going to control the channels of communication mm-hmm. in this
10: country. We're not. (laughs) This country has already decided it would not control the channels of communication. There are some amount of control on broadcast waves, and really the the government was able to put its dirty hands in this domain simply because there are limited uh, wave spaces, and you have to say, all right, you are the radio station that gets this frequency, you get this frequency. But given that this problem does not exist on the Internet, therefore we can return to a true First Amendment interpretation, and there is no such thing as how we're going to control the channel of communication in this country. Precisely, the decision of Elon Musk is that no one will be able to, because they'll be bought out. In
6: 1927, we had the Radio Act. 1934, the Communications Act. Congress stepped in. We made rules. FCC wasn't great, but it's still regulating the broadcasting.
10: Yes, and the broadcast now—the broadcast industry is now dead, and it was—it was not even justified. Those were unconstitutional organizations. They've run for many decades because basically the corporate world controlling the the airwaves had an interest in being legislated. But the reality is, the First Amendment goes much further. The First Amendment would make it so that you—the government shouldn't be able to say to a radio station, "You cannot use." dirty words in your broadcast yeah i know that's what they do but they shouldn't be able to do this but with the internet it's over now they even if they were to try to control it there would be ways to build independent infrastructure Grape says the rest of my plants aren't growing though so yes i need to water less i suppose i take jf's intermittent watering advice it was its own rule to knock itself down and knock its own creators down uh, but we will have solutions emerging like odyssey and like twitter's uh, elon musk's twitter we
6: gave over our, our what amongst our airwaves or our internet waves to mark zuckerberg and elon musk and, we-
0: and uh, jim bowden says luke correct me please abortion before roe v wade was always subject to each individual state and was not a federal issue that is correct
6: we are in so much trouble
10: yeah well it's not our a- airwaves that's the point that's the great uh, advance of the internet Um, we didn't give our airwaves to Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk. They just exist. The channels of communication exist between the citizens of America. It's unstoppable. The internet has been designed in a way that it's harder to do what you want to do, and you probably won't be able to do it.
6: Because those guys believe in making money. We've already seen that with the 2016... I love
10: when the leftists bring this against the big tech moguls, that, oh, they like to make money. They make money out of hate speech. It's really not what they're doing. The thing is, They are losing money, in fact, uh, opening these trust and safety committees and these branches of their organizations. Really, they could not have those because they're protected by Section 230. So they don't have to. If they if they opt for being protected by Section 230, they have the protection. So the reality is they're spending money on a wasteful campaign against themselves. That's the current state of big tech. And this guy wants them to spend more.
6: Election in mm. Zuckerberg, when he was taking rubles for ads from Russia, and say, "Oh, I think it's crazy to think they had any influence on this
10: election." Mm. Musk is the same. Mu- Zuckerberg was taking rubles.
6: <laughs> Musk doesn't want it. Oh, you know, he's upset with the SEC. He tried to how dare they question him? You know what I'm saying? This is dangerous. We can't think anymore in this country. We don't have people. No, I'm serious. We don't have people in.
0: And I mean, Russian disinformation. I mean, we're talking about a few thousand dollars in Facebook ads, and this is what the left is obsessed with. They they think that a few Facebook ads change the direction of the 2016 election? Congress,
6: who can make regulations that can make it work. I think we can look to the Western countries
10: in Europe for how they are trying to limit it. But But Western countries in their seat, is seating, uh, as Nicholas Petras says. The problem with Western Europe is that they can, they can impede on speech because they don't have the First Amendment. There will never be successful legislation around the internet, so let it go freely. Uh, In the US, it's impossible because of the First Amendment. Um, That's it. So these people can keep seating, it won't. Uh, it won't fix itself, and it's not because of a lack of talent in politicians or they—they they are unable to think. It's because the structure of the American censorship is purely private because of the First Amendment. Elon Musk has given some uh, thoughts on what he was uh, thinking for Twitter uh, through different threads and replies, which gives us—which uh, starts giving us a cue on what it will look like. Uh, Elon Musk's Twitter. He answered to a a thread. All—all's well that's Orwell. Musk tosses tactical nukes at Ministry of Truth and Trust Fund Journal. So there was initially a tweet about the new Minister of Truth is such a nice, neutral, unbiased person. So he's talking about the lady that sings, you know, that I've shown her in in previous shows. And his answer to this is, all well, that's Orwell. A little play of word, I guess, a play of uh, sounds and words. Uh, But basically he's saying the Ministry of Truth is not into this and Twitter will go its own way. Uh, Meanwhile, he also replied, this was in relation to a thread by Glenn Greenwald, who, sh- who says, rich white woman, Molly Young Fast, who won the birth lottery by being born to rich, famous white parents who raised her in Manhattan, sent her to private schools, and thus herself, bought an Upper East Side co-op for $5 million in 2007 at the age of 29, rants about rich white men. It's always those people who rents against r- rich white men. It's rich white women basically. <laughs> and Elon Musk was laughing his ass off. Oh, Mr. Krabs. Uh, so the people who are who are talking about privilege are often basically feeling guilty. Uh, I've I've never heard someone who truly had to work his way through through the social ladder a little bit like I did, although I've been lucky in life. I've certainly not have any irritancy and that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been lucky in terms of having good parents, and that's it. Um, people like me, or people even lower than me, people who don't have the luck that I have, they don't complain about privilege. They work their way up the more they can, and they feel lucky that they have anything. So all of this stemmed from this initial thread uh, someone was saying, I don't like the Twitter is amplifying the gendered barb that Elon Musk appropriated from anti-racist because a United States senator suggested he might pay more taxes and his feelings were hurt. It shouldn't be news, media shouldn't cover it, and platforms shouldn't amplify it. This was all initially from many, fr- from, uh, many months ago when Elon Musk calls Elizabeth Warren Senator Karen after she tweeted that the rigged tax code could be, should be changed so the person of the year will actually pay taxes, referring to the Tesla CEO. <clears throat> okay, but uh, we can't change the tax code if someone is rich just in principle and on paper. Uh, Elon Musk is rich on paper, but he didn't sell his tax, so he didn't have running money in his bank account, and therefore, what do you want to do on the tax code? The only change you could do is start taxing property rather than income, which is a radical change that would that would have severe negative consequences. Grapes Coda says, that is one of the worst run-on sentences I've ever seen. Is this woman a journalist? <clears throat> I-, I don't know which woman you're talking, because there were two. Uh, there were, there's the Ministry of True Women, and there's...
0: Okay, so one of the glorious things to come out of this Supreme Court leak uh, are the, the intensity of uh, liberal tears. Uh, I'm enjoying that. So let's get a little bit... The decision the would left. be
2: an abomination, an abomination. One of the worst ever in modern history.
3: Honestly, I want to cry. Um, you know, I want to cry in so many different
9: ways.
7: Look, I feel really angry about this. And what I feel angry about is that an extremist Supreme Court is going to impose their views on the rest of America. Fundamental rights include interstate
8: travel, include the idea of same-sex marriage, include same-sex relationships.
0: Wait, isn't this kind of the opposite of the Supreme Court imposing their views on the rest of the America? They're saying that... Uh states get to choose what kind of laws they have about abortion. Like, whether you're pro or con this decision, it is unquestionably a move in favor of democracy. So if you're outraged by this decision, you're outraged at the prospect of Americans voting for their own laws.
8: Just to name a few. Now this is essentially gone. What's next? As I was getting ready for the show this morning, I was thinking about Hillary Clinton and how this just might put her over the edge and make her jump back in. But I mean, it's just, this is the kind of news that rocks your world as a woman. No one is safe. This overturning row will...
0: And, and again, a far higher percentage of women are morally opposed to abortion than men, right? Men like to bang. And men who like to bang, generally speaking, are going to be fairly much in, in favor of abortion
8: be a mass criminalization
9: event. It will undercut majoritarian democracy, undermine privacy protections.
8: Well, it's going to
0: undercut majoritarian democracy by returning this issue to the people. How Orwellian is that?
9: And pour gasoline on our already inflamed political divisions.
7: This is just the beginning. Next they'll go after gay marriage and, and maybe maybe oh, no. uh, uh, the board the what is it, Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah. Oh, no. They already eroded our voting rights a little yeah. bit.
5: So I marriage. see some
7: I see fascism down the line here. Yeah. I don't know. Oh fascism.
5: Now to reiterate, there has been no official Supreme Court decision. The people you just saw are attempting to intimidate the court, shape their final opinion, uh, just as the leaker probably intended. We'll find out in the days and weeks ahead. Of course, this is not new. You might recall, you might remember when Chuck Schumer threatened the U.S. Supreme Court justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh during a speech right there on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court. Take a look and ask yourself this question. If you said these words, what would happen? Take a look. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. pay the price. And we have a long history with this. Let's not forget Ted Kennedy's totally complete, dishonest diatribe about Supreme Court nominee at the time, Robert Bork, outright lying. Take a look.
2: Robert Bork's America is a land in which women would be forced into back alley abortions, blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters, Rogue police could break down citizens' doors in midnight raids, and school children could not be taught about evolution. Writers and artists would be censured at the whim of government.
5: Now, Ted Kennedy cared so deeply about women that he actually let one drown slowly, trapped in his car in a pond uh, in Chappaquiddick, and he went home that night. There was a house across...
0: Okay, let's get a little bit more here from Richard and Ed...
11: In fact, they've kind of forced their will upon the Republican Party to a very large degree. Um, But I wanted to talk about this more seriously. First off, I'll mention some details about the Texas law that was passed last week, just in case any of our viewers haven't been.
0: So this podcast was released September 12th of last year. Paying
11: attention. It's a rather strange law. Um, For people who who don't know, there is a... So uh, Ethan Rouse says that
0: uh, the police arrested him because he was pointed out as being a bomber. And so the police arrested him, checked him out, and then released a
11: very famous Supreme Court case, Roe v. Wade, that based the access to abortion upon a kind of right to privacy within the Constitution. So, so much of abortion legislation really has been done through the Supreme Court. And I I think that's actually a big problem uh, to begin with. But that Roe v. Wade law has been maintained for uh, 40 some odd years. And this law that was passed in Texas doesn't directly challenge it. And that's some of the, kind of the weird thing about it. It makes abortion providers and even those people who assisted a woman get an abortion, though not the woman herself, I should add, uh, liable in civil court to $10,000 judgments that can be brought by anyone in the country. It's a really strange way of going about it. And I think this is one of the reasons why the Supreme Court, at least for the time being, has punted on the law, claiming that there has been no harm yet, even though abortion providers have effectively shut down. Basically, you could live in Montana, and you could hear about a, a woman who, who got an abortion after six weeks, and you could sue her, not sue her, sue the provider or sue, say, the, the person who drove her, sue the person who paid for it, sue the guy who made a hamburger for her, and I don't know, there must be some limit. But it, it does open up space where this just free-for-all of lawsuits, and that has made providing abortions effectively impossible. So there, after six weeks, there are no abortions in Texas. Uh, but again, because you can take people to court, which is just inherently debilitating, I I think it raises questions of how many abortions are going to be taking place in Texas at all. I mean, you could sue someone. Are you sure it's six weeks? Are you sure it's six weeks since you've been pregnant? It's before six weeks? I'm not so sure. I think it might be seven, so I can sue you for 10 grand. Um, It is a strange situation, to say the least. I don't quite know what's going to happen, but this is where we are. But I think what Ed and I should.
0: J.D. Vance has won the Ohio primary. Wow. So, J.D. Vance, you know, very articulate author. Making the case for the nationalism, for, for a Republican Party that primarily caters to the working class, he has won the Ohio GOP Senate nomination, which means he most likely will be Ohio's next senator. And then it becomes a future presidential prospect.
11: because Of course, there's all of this talk about this, this law that this seems to be, this is going to affect the midterm elections. It's, it's overshadowed COVID, at least for a time. Um, but I want to take a step back and really talk about abortion and fertility. And also, I, I think how you can morally think about abortion um, and how abortion has been viewed in the past. Uh, so, at, you know, we think about these, uh, the, the anti-abortion crusade or the pro-life cause as being a Christian thing, not even just a conservative thing, but a, a, a Christian thing that's Catholic and evangelical, um, evangelical Christian. It's worth mentioning that um, it's, it might even be a political cause. <coughs> Excuse me. It might be a political cause more than a Christian cause. When Roe v. Wade was decided, the Southern Baptist Convention endorsed the decision, and they said, "This is a we res- we all respect a woman's right to privacy." Uh, it was only later that it became the centerpiece of the religious right and became very important in left-right politics in America. Um, but what what has been the Christian response to the to an abortion throughout the ages?
0: Well. Um- Abortion has not been a huge issue in Christianity. I grew up in Seventh-day Adventism, which is very liberal on abortion. But growing up in Australia and European Christianity, Australian Christianity, abortion was not a a big deal. So Scott McConnell, co-founder of the American Conservative magazine, he tweets, J.D. Vance didn't go for the We Are Ukraine stuff so common and seemingly required for everyone. Thought this would kill him. Well, it didn't. So media will try to spin this as Trump still controls the rubes or something. And Trump's endorsement was crucial. But J.D. Vance is a brilliant and brave guy. He is not a natural politician, and he will be an historic senator. So J.D. Vance wins the Republican nomination for Senate. And uh, Peter Thiel uh, massively invested in J.D. Vance
13: body of the latter is formed and right. uh, you know Maimonides the Jewish um, mm-hmm. sort of early medieval theologian Maimonides
11: oh, of course I know yeah
13: Maimonides yes now Maimonides Maimonides had this he invented this concept of the nephil and uh, the, the nephil is the neonate who is doomed to die and um, if, if the child was born early uh, it was a nephil rather than a proper human and therefore it didn't have a soul
11: hmm Fascinating. Um, I, I think things have changed quite a bit. I mean, as we've, as we've talked about this, the the pro-life movement has made a very strong claim that life just begins at conception, the moment the sperm hits the egg. And I, I think any reasonable person would agree that there's something has happened, so at least potential for life or some kind of life form um, has occurred. I think the um, wide availability of ultrasounds has, has probably shifted consciousness a little bit um, in the sense of, you have a kind of photograph of a, of a fetus and you feel like, well, this is clearly a real person and, and so on. I think that has changed opinions. I mean, we should remember that uh, abortions are declining pretty significantly since the 1970s, I, th- I think for a lot of many different factors, uh, but they still make up from what we were looking at between 18 to 20% of all pregnancies do end in abortion. And thus, Um, it's, you know, it's an issue that at least has to be addressed seriously. And I don't think a way, particularly in the current situation where we are now, I don't think addressing it by declaring it bloody murder is, is really all that helpful. I I think there, there is a a great deal of moral ambiguity in it. We're going to talk about the effects of it later, but one thing that I've noticed and which I've always, it's, it's always bothered me. I mean, I generally support abortion rights, but is that the pro-life movement never wants to actually go after the mother in terms of persecution or uh, criminal charges or civil charges in this latter um, Texas scheme. Uh, so there was a moment in 2016, it's, it's largely forgotten now, but Donald Trump had discovered that he was pro-life, like many other Republicans who want to seek the, conservative no- the, the Republican nomination, discover that, like George H- Herbert Walker Bush and many others. And uh, he was asked, you know, oh, you want to ban abortions, and would you have to? Would, would this be criminalized to the extent that uh, that women would be arrested? And Donald Trump thought about it for a moment. He said, "Well, yes, we would have to do that," which is a reasonable ex- response. If you're going to claim that this is murder, or at the very least a crime, you're going to simply have to uh, take into account the woman who has the abortion. And the pro, he got hit from both sides. So the liberals freaked out, of course, but then the pro-life movement freaked out in the sense because they hated Trump. at that point they hated Trump, and they were saying, "Well, this is not how we think about the issue." And, I, you know, you kind of do have to think about the issue in that way if you're going to declare this murder. The fact that women can't be sued, but the abortion provider can be sued uh, in Texas, it's morally speaking, it's the same thing as saying, well, we want to arrest the hitman who's profiting off murder. But the person who hired the hitman, oh, well, that, she's an innocent victim you know, yes, of the is. profiteering also, hitman. They, they, Give me a don't, break.
13: They don't uh, – don't, I don't think in England anyway, prostitution isn't illegal. But being right. a pimp, profiting from prostitution, that's illegal. But, but actually, being, being a prostitute is not illegal. So, so it's a it's a sort of similar silly uh, equivalence. Um, and and not thing, giving agency to women, by the way. No, no, they're not. If anything, it could be considered a highly sexist set of laws. Yes.
0: So I wonder how Ethan Ralph is doing after getting arrested outside. The I like Court. everyone. I
8: like Honcho. Thank you, Honcho. Corinne I-R-L-C-O-R-N-N-E, says thank you. Thank you so much. <sighs>
1: I think we have, a. Uh,
5: don't know if to say here, but that's we have to go. Neon Nicker sent $3. Imagine if Corinne was your mom in years. From now you see these streams.
8: Who cares? What does that mean? <laughs> Snacks, <laughs> that was stupid. That was the stupidest donation ever. Who can me want to be a sinner? <laughs> I don't
1: think you needed much
8: encouragement. <laughs> I do, actually do. <laughs>
7: Corinne, we love you sent $3. Are you going to make an appearance at Ralphamania? Are you going to get in yes. the ring? Yes. i accepting applications. I think we would make beautiful babies together.
8: Yes. 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 But you have to be unvaccinated. I only want unvaccinated cum. Oh
0: God! Disavow.
8: <laughs> I only want the cum of unvaccinated Whoa. men, not little boys. I only like men. I like men, real men. <laughs> <laughs>
9: She's stop you're freaking out
1: the <laughs> Night
9: driving sent $3 corn smell
0: well it's good to see a real triumph of the human spirit that uh Ethan Ralph isn't allowing his his arrest to
3: get I him harassed down that mother earlier. You know, I didn't get to see that because I walked outside
8: yeah someone sent Ethan Ralph a clip I didn't harass her I just said take the mask off your face oh, take man. a mask off the child's How face you free about? your face free yourself be free at last pressed her i not. really good
7: Baby Pepe sent $3, Wealth. for the love of everything holy. Take.
3: I'm about to take it back.
8: Okay, take the phone back.
3: No, it's fine. I know where I'm going. This place is good. But do
8: you think it's going to stay open?
3: Yeah, I know for a fact it's going to be open.
0: Okay, that's inspiring to see that uh, Ethan Ralph has uh, rebounded from his arrest. A
13: highly patriarchal set of laws. Um, But I think the thing that they they don't seem to understand, they shoot themselves in the foot, these um, pro-life type people, is that we have detailed data on the kind of people that get abortions and we have detailed data on the heritability of the traits that are involved. So there is research indicating abortion, people that have abortions and particularly people that have multiple abortions, which is 42 percent of women that have had an abortion have had more than one in England. Um, have different personality traits for those that are not. People that have abortions are, are high in histrionic ca- uh, personality traits, that is to say they are attention-seeking, they are low in agreeableness, they're just basically uh, unstable and not very nice people. They are high in narcissistic personality traits, which includes low empathy and low altruism, and they are high in antisocial personality traits, that is to say psychopathic personality traits. Um, mm-hmm. So the kind of women that have abortions are on average narcissistic, psychopathic and histrionic. And the heritability of these traits is at least 0.5, um, if not higher, if not more in the region of 0.6. Yeah, that, that's, and so uh, women that have, have abortion are helping to remove some of these people, people like them, that is to say, yeah! antisocial, unpleasant people, from the gene pool. Um, oh my God. Oh, I, mean, I, can, I can watch
3: you that mother earlier. You know, I didn't get to see that because I walked outside. Yeah,
8: someone sent Ethan Ralph a clip. I didn't harass her, I just said take.
3: Yeah, I know for a fact some of you have them
8: three i am now getting my girlfriend fiorella is going to russia and she's, she's going to, to, to russia yes. is she hot yes she's going
1: to russia
7: really yes yes, wow. yes. okay uh let's meet her anonymous <laughs> $3. i am now getting vaccinated asap
8: oh i see just just in case do it it and vaccinated get back. get both
1: this fucking pen doesn't even work i wait till I get stopped to try to fuck with it
8: okay where are you going yeah, I'm actually hungry. I haven't eaten today. I know. Well, that's
1: not true. We had some queso. We had a little bit of queso. But that's it. Yeah, I'm hungry. Then the police fucked with me. I thought we got some good footage before.
8: Hey, what's going on at the Capitol? I haven't been able to see. I mean, at the Supreme Court. Is this place open until midnight? I can't really read chat while Is this place open until midnight. Iverson sent three
6: dollars yes. in calling the police. Corinne sexually harassed the whole chat.
8: Wow. What? Hey, hold this down here
1: where
8: they can't see where I'm going. They can't see. Try it. I don't want to get in trouble. I know. I'm right there. You're,
1: Korean, you're not. Just
8: kidding. to me. You're fine. Yeah, let's hold it up here so they can see every fucking landmark there is on the way there. Yeah,
1: that's good. That's a good idea.
0: Gotta have some OPSEC here. Ethan Ralph. The triumph of the human spirit.
1: You apparently don't know how autistic some of these well, fuckers they are. They want that. They're I'm trying out
13: They're, like in Ireland you have these how appalling witches on this, on this bus from Dublin to Belfast singing this song to Val Dunican. We need abortion da, 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 da. like making light of it. We need abortion quick, simple and free. I'm like please give let surely let them have abortions. They want to resign from the gene pool, and it is for the good of the gene pool that they do so. Yeah, so I- we
11: must be cruel only to be kind uh, is generally my attitude towards this. That's a, a phrase from our guy Hamlet. Um, but I, 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 it's hard for me not to agree. And, and I think there's, there's also been a uh, – and, and this is even worth discussing in itself. There has been a noticeable change in the sense that abortion in the 70s was declared a right, a privacy.
0: And uh, Bell says, Luke, these $3 text-to-speech chats are evidence of defeat. Nick Fuentes takes them now. Fuentes says, two-hour shows these days. Healthy shows, uh, three hours, dollar-wise. But, yeah, $3 to have your say? I'm not sure. This is really helping public discourse.
11: See, Which is a, a kind of euphemism, you could say. Uh, the famously Bill Clinton said "We, we abortion should be um, safe, legal, and rare. So they, they kind of inherently said, this is not something we want to do, but it's not something that we want to make illegal and this, just open up this huge can of worms by doing that, including throwing, potentially you, at least throwing as women you in know, prison.
13: in my book, "Which Is Feminism and the Fall of the West, I talked about yeah. this where I did an article on a woman that had had uh, three abortions. This is um, what I wanted
11: to get to. Talk about and, her a little bit.
13: Well, okay, yeah, let's talk about her. She, so she, I met her at a conference, at an academic conference, and then one day, years ago, whenever it was, 10 years ago when i was working for this english language newspaper i put out that abortion in finland is the most restricted of any scandinavian country you have to go in and say you want an abortion then you have to go and think about it for a week or something and then you have to go back mm-hmm. there's no abortion on demand um, it's more it's more strict conservative here uh, and so i thought well this is in the news that's my hook so i'll do an article about it for the newspaper about abortion in finland i'll interview someone that's had an abortion so i put out on facebook look has anyone had an abortion if so get in touch with me anonymously and this girl wrote back and said mm-hmm. i volunteer. Uh, and and uh, she hadn't just had one; she'd had three. Uh, and uh, and the, the first one, um, she, she she had she was going out with this boyfriend, and he was a drug addict and whatever. And uh, and so she had an abortion. Uh, then then she got pregnant, and she and she kept that child. Um, and then then the third time, um, she um, she was she, she 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 didn't feel bad about it because she took the morning after pill, but it just didn't work. That was the second hmm. occasion, so she felt that's fair enough if we'd have an abortion. And then she got pregnant another time, and so she obviously just didn't learn from her mistakes. She wasn't able to efficiently use contraception. I got the distinction but she was underweight. She was underweight, so I got the impression she was quite sort of mentally unstable, which is consistent with the kind of people that get abortions. Um, and uh, yeah, and then so she told me all this, and I did the article. And then um, sometime later, I met her in a cafe just by chance, and it was just really tense because I knew too much, and she knew I knew too much. It was just horrible. Uh nothing to say to each other anymore. Uh and I think that there is a sense in which she did feel because she said so in that she felt what she was doing when she first did it was very, very wrong. And that yeah. she remembered crying and saying, My baby will never see this sunrise. She, she felt on some level that it was murder. And I think uh, on on some level a lot of women do think that. Um yeah. even if they have it, they still kind of think it. And I think a lot of us it kind of is you kinda of can't help but thinking that, that that uh embryo, even if it is got no consciousness, it's got no feelings, whatever, but it has the potential for life. Uh, for human life, and is completely and totally reliant on its mother and on the love of its mother. It's, it's it, 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 totally reliant on it in the way that that mother was once in the same position, right. reliant on her own mother not to fall down the stairs, not to drink, not to stick a knitting needle up herself after, in, a, in a warm bath, whatever. Um, and, uh, and 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 it, it is it is it is the, it is the most vulnerable member of our community, um, and yet it is or future member of our community, and yet it is the member of our community that has less rights than than an animal.
3: Mm
11: -hmm. Uh, And so you can see the cognitive dissonance that it brings about. It does have. I agree. I I have something I hopefully something is interesting to say on this Uh, real quick on less rights than an animal. I did find it fascinating that um, uh, Pete Buttigieg, the one time presidential candidate who we talked about um, a few uh, a year or so ago, um, he and Chaston or or Chaston or not, not, not so Chaston, um, uh, they have had a surrogate child. And they actually photograph themselves in a hospital bed, for some reason, holding a newborn. And I, it's interesting because I, I recently got a new dog. And, you know, you usually wait about six weeks with a puppy because the dog uh, needs to uh, uh, breastfeed, bond with his mother, bond with his siblings, and so on. Uh, a human child, however, is uh, ripped right from his mother's arms and put into the hands of Chastin. Uh it's, it, 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 it is it well, is rather Pete, shocking. Pete,
13: Pete, Pete Buttigieg has a husband.
11: Yes. Is he a queer? It's very brave, yeah.
13: He's a quack. Um, but yes, um,
11: well, you're the only one who thinks he's not gay. You're like, queer. is he he's gay? Queer. It's like...
13: um, no, um, the, <laughs> he's it, a quack. He's it, definitely a quack. Um, no, it, it's 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 a, it's a definite. You know that sketch we did about it. Um, yeah. it no, it's 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 a definite. Uh, it's a definite problem. It's a definite. Uh, it's something that makes me, me personally, I'm sure. But the, on the one hand, it's yeah. There's some sense in, in which in which.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's check in with uh, Mr. Ethan Ralph. How's the boy doing? Whoa, whoa! Look at that guy! Whoa, whoa! I better, better turn off the music. But uh, I think twice before, before messing with uh, Ethan Ralph, man.
13: Which a community that um, triumphs over other communities in the battle of group selection has a sense of itself as sacred and a sense of itself as as God being on its side. God bless America. Trump's having a good night based on Uh, these uh, endorsements. All right, so let's get to it.
9: it. Uh, J.D. Vance is in yellow. You see how much yellow covers the map here throughout the state of Ohio. What you were talking about down here in the southwestern part of the state, this is Hamilton County. uh, This is Cincinnati. Dolan expected to do well in this city. Okay. but J.D. Vance lives there and he's holding his own right now, just north. Of here, You mentioned, uh, well, Butler County, uh, Vance doing well there also. There's a little town here called Middletown. It's right on the border of Butler County and Warren County. Why do I mention that? If you follow the book and the movie of Hillbilly Elegy, that is where J.D. Vance spent a lot of his youth. Remember, he was from Kentucky, moved to southwestern Ohio. That was a spot right there uh, in Middletown. You mentioned Claremont, too. Uh, listen, uh, Vance is doing really well here also. You mentioned Warren. Let me just jump over here um, to Warren County as well and just watch what Vance is doing. He's at 36 percent. So this—I mean you find a lot of Republican votes in southwestern Ohio. That is point number one. Point number two in the middle, you talked about Columbus, Ohio. This is Franklin County. Uh, Dolan expected to do well here. He, he, he's doing decent. Uh, but he's from northern Ohio, and I'm going to show you right now where he really expected to do well. I mentioned Delaware County, and I I showed this a bit earlier today. This is where Trump had the rally with J.D. Vance, and he's at 35 percent in Delaware County. If Josh Mandel or Dolan really wanted to cut in Vance's lead, you expect to see that perhaps in counties like Delaware, quickly growing, uh, rather affluent uh, this is Cuyahoga County in Cleveland. Dolan's doing well here also. But again, it's it's the rest of this state where you see J.D. Vance just wiping up, you know, in the southwest and the southern part of the state, some of these rural counties, also up here in the northeast also. Remember, remember when Trump won in 2016? We're at the board that night, Sean, and I was showing you that these are counties that have been held by Democrats for 50 years. And Trump broke through that wall. And but listen, I I mean, there are going to be a lot of pieces written this week about Trump's endorsement and what it means. I can tell you that, I mean, this is J.D. Vance territory right now. Okay, go back a year and a half ago. This is Biden and Trump in Ohio. And this is Trump winning easily by eight points. What we don't show on the map is what he did in 2016 when he won the state by eight points as well. Ohio is a red state. Ohio is a Trump state based on the two presidential elections. So far tonight, we come back here to the Senate race. Trump went in there and made endorsements in 12 different races, of which one I'm just showing you right now with J.D. Vance here. Uh, in Ohio, who looks to be in a comfortable position right now with about half of the vote counted. He made endorsements in 11 other races. So far tonight, he is nine for nine in the congressional races, and he is leading in the three others, including the Senate race. It's a pretty good night for the former president. On the Democratic side, Tim Ryan has been called for him. Uh, this uh, Nobody was really thinking about this, right? 70% of the vote counted for Tim Ryan. Uh, he is a Democrat
0: Okay, let's have a look at a tweet here from Joseph Cotto. He says, as I grow older, I come to like the America I live in less and less, it has no common culture at no core of identity, an increasingly polarized electric electorate, a toxic pop culture, an ever more activist left wing media and academic government complex and a generally ignorant populace. So is it really, is it really America is just getting worse and worse and worse? Or is Joseph Cotto unhappy with his life, and then he projects onto America? And I, I don't know which one, but I do notice with, with many people on the distant right, it's very clear that they're unhappy with their life, and then they project on that unhappiness onto wider America. America has all the problems that Joseph Cotto lists, but I, I live in the same America with many of these problems, and uh, I feel like I'm as happy as a clam. So if... If Joseph Cotto is not happy, I don't think it's America that's primarily at issue there. If you're unhappy, it's not primarily because of America, it's primarily because of you.
13: The sanctity of life uh, and and all of this sort of thing. And uh, abortion um, and the fact that uh, Christianity, which I'm going to argue in a future book, is highly group selected, um, it, uh, it sanctifies life like that is, mm-hmm. is uh, perhaps part of its success in a way that others, others don't. I mean, abortion is perfectly acceptable. About, you know, you, you'll get women that are pregnant among the Yanomama of Venezuela and they'll get their friends to jump on their stomachs. Um,
9: right.
5: Um, or they'll, they'll just commit infanticide. Uh, we'll have assurance a that J.D. Them.
9: Vance has been called um, a, a primary. It's, you know, it's interesting
5: because there are going to be other states too. I know, for example, I'm yeah, in Pennsylvania, who I'm supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had tens and tens of millions of dollars uh, I believe President Trump has a rally with him uh, later this week. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that effect carries in a lot and of you states. Got North
9: Carolina, and you got Georgia. and we, right. We, we got a story yeah. to follow to see what this party does.
5: All right. Bill Hammer at the big board. Thank you, sir. When we come back, the great one, Mark Levin. And what-
0: yeah, the great one, Mark Levin. I really wonder what Mark Levin has to say. But if Donald Trump runs in, in 2024, he seems to be poised for a victory
11: country but well, yeah, i, I, I do certainly ser- i do continue but i
13: think it extends to the Anamamo. i think oh, that uh, they have their own and true. um and exposure of course the greeks practiced exposure uh, aristotle wrote about his disbelief that the egyptians didn't practice exposure right um so it was perfectly if you had an unhealthy child you just left it out for the to be t- taken away uh, whatever and um and so there was this there's this sanctity of life element which they are lacking but on the other hand there is a there is something um, logical about it, I mean, if you think about the chaos that's happening in Ireland now, you've got, this has gone from being an extremely religious conservative society, which it was the first time I went there in 2002, to within 10 years, or a bit, a bit more than that, being re- more woke than England, and it's just incredible yeah. how, how much it has flipped, and um, it strikes me that it might be relevant to that, that they didn't legalise abortion until a few years ago. Yeah. So all of these 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 histrionic, narcissistic, psychopathic women, who in England since 1967 would have been proportionately more likely to have abortions in Ireland probably would have been, well, they wouldn't, they would have been less likely to. Okay. The ones that had a bit of money would make their way to England and have an abortion in England. Um, that,
0: that was a. And uh, Marlowe says Joseph Cotto is saying he's unhappy with America. Not that he's unhappy. That armchair psych- psychologizing was, was unnecessary. Well, It's just a general perspective like why is it that a certain text or a certain event or a certain piece of music or a certain film or certain politics resonates with you it says something about you so when when i talk i'm not just saying something about joseph cotto if i talk about joseph cotto i am in part perhaps talking about joseph cotto but i'm probably primarily talking about myself so if i am saying something on abortion Ostensibly, I'm commenting on abortion, but I'm probably saying more about myself. Whatever, use what language you will. You cannot say anything but what you are. And we cannot help but look out through the world through a particular pair of glasses. And when you change the pair of glasses, then you change your perspective on the world. So I wasn't slamming Joseph Cotto. I was just making the point that the position of the observer is an integral part of the data. And personal unhappiness, is a driving force for the more extreme brands of politics. And I don't regard to Joseph Carter as extreme. But I don't believe that trends in America are the primary things that would make people unhappy. Right? There are certainly some negative trends in America, but there are also some positive trends in America. Overall, the situation in America is not the primary cause of any American's unhappiness.
13: A well-known phenomenon: the the boat, the, the abortion boat to Liverpool to get an abortion. Um, but but so otherwise, uh, so you've just got this build-up of ghastly people, and those were the very people that were making their way on that bus to Belfast, singing their light-hearted song about abortion.
11: Right, it's this uh, this ironic cycle of a, a a Christian society kind of sets the stage for a decadent society that is going to become anti-Christian and then maybe back again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I would add this. I mean, I agree with most everything you're saying. I would, I would add this. The way that people argue for and against abortion is all within the confines of a rational liberalism. And so, for instance, yes, you can certainly find a pro-life Christian who will who will simply say, this is in the Bible. No, you know, we follow the Bible, literally. We can, of course, find that. But what you mostly How find I- is a, an argument that goes something like this. Uh, this person, first off, life does, com- does begin at conception, even if the you know, a a fetus or even an early multiplying cells are are not conscious. Uh, There is that spark of life. And so they must be treated like a human and they are the most vulnerable humans out there. So this is all liberalism, human rights um, type arguments. Um, And where else do they go with this? Oh, right. A lot of um, people who are pro-choice will talk about rape or, you know, child molestation or incest or or some of these just really terrible things. And the the pro-life answer to that is, well, it's You know, rape, incest, molestation, those are already crimes, but the life, and and so anyone who engages in that should be prosecuted, but the life in question is not the woman, it's actually the child, and the child has not engaged in rape, or incest, or child molestation, so his rights should be protected. But it's all that human rights kind of dogma. The other liberal version of this Whether you know it might just be based on just pure choice, and you know, oh, it's great to get an abortion so you can go have more sex and career or whatever. But if they actually want to explain it, they also explain it within terms of liberalism. So this is your body and you are in control you have total sovereignty over your body you can do with it whatever you want you can be abstinent you could be a pornography actress it's up to you and a Mm. parasite in your body kind of does not have rights over you so that that child
13: that is the the movement to this individualistic worldview which is but both are are
11: individualist. i guess what i'm saying is i i permit me if i just say this and i'm not trying to be uh pretentious but (laughs) emmanuel Kant's he criticized pure rationality. What he understood is that if you engage in just pure reasoning, you are going to reach a paradox at some point. And Zeno found this out long before Plato. What he meant is you, pure reason is actually limited. And you ha- it has to interface with the real world to be taken seriously. Both of those arguments, which I represented, are pure liberal reasoning. And they're both kind of right. And I don't think they're ever going to defeat the other argument because you're just engaging in the abstract language of rights in both cases. Yeah, and, a, yeah, there's a little a, feminism potpourri thrown in here and there's a little bit of Christian spice thrown in here. But it's still a liberal argument and you just can't get past that.
13: You know, a counter argument is that, yeah, yeah, exactly, is that you are, we are a group or a group oriented species. And, yes, you are an individual woman. But that that child, that fetus is part of the group. Right, it's 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 distinct. It's distinct. Forget about whether it has rights. I don't care about that. It's part of the group, and it's, it's a matter for other people, not just you. Yes, it's about. Would it's you say their, that
11: men should become warriors and women should birth warriors? All else is folly, perhaps.
13: I wouldn't say that, but but it's, it's their <laughs> relative. It's their right. Whatever I mean it is, you make a
11: non-liberal argument. It's their you child. Basically, it's their, yeah. um,
13: their ne- nephew. Their niece. Their Coethnic, and it rela- it, rela- it relates to them, um, and so um, and you relate to them as well. And so this idea that you're separate and distinct from the body from the from the group of which you're part, no, you're not. You're you're reliant on that group and its cooperative interaction and and what it what it produces and whatever in order to survive. And therefore, um, you are you can't be separated from it in, in in such a black and white way. I think that's the argument. And I also think yeah. that I, I quite like Dave Chappelle's argument, which is that um, well, why is it that the women have the right? You know, they can just say I, I I can have an abortion. Okay, that's their right. They they're right. Well, then surely the man should have the right to say, look bitch, if you're going to have this baby that I don't want, then I don't have to support it. Um, that would yeah. be, you know, that's, that's, he, he should have a right as well. Surely he should have the right to say, look, I don't want to have this child. You're going to go ahead and have it. I don't want it. So so I shouldn't be hassled to support it. I mean, was quite an, he does make a quite
0: intelligent point. I remember I had an English teacher in high school who, who noted, why is it that uh, all the women who are most adamantly against abortion are women you wouldn't want to have sex with anyway? Well, people who are most adamantly against abortion tend to be older and they tend to be more religiously and politically zealous and uh, not exactly the the young winsome demographic so you're probably wondering what the heck is going on with Ethan Ralph why did he get arrested you're free
1: bird okay not only that nick Fuente's heartbroken folks he's a heartbroken jilted scorned ex-lover his dumper pumping but- buddy jaden has abandoned him Jaden's in contact with CWC. Jaden's in contact with Jake Lloyd and APU. And you know who else is in contact with the APU president? PPP. Whoa. That's right, folks. We might get Jaden McNeil on this Friday's edition of the Kino Casino. let to go. tell. Oh, fuck, folks. And not only that, Beardson is Batman. Batman. I'm Beardson. Dalton's the Joker. It's so bad. Fuck, guys. It's beyond cringe i've only managed to watch six seconds of it there's 30 minutes of footage folks we may not show it all but there's 30 minutes of footage and by the way folks buried in it all ralph had a barbecue oh they showed us his boxing form <laughs> andy is really scared guys uh. andy is terrified andy is pissing and shitting in his dungaroos because the Ralph of male called him out at the barbecue and apparently we don't even have barbecue in Canada, Andy. Just have beaver tails and, and moose meat. According to Ralph, this is all that we have and we live in fucking igloos. We've never seen a fucking barbecue in all our lives. There's not one boomer in Canada who grills, it's just all Amerts. This is what he wants to fucking tell us. But folks, we're not gonna believe the lies. We're gonna fucking follow the bumblebees and we're gonna expose the federal conspiracy, folks. It's confirmed. Ralph is a CI. A confidential informant. He was busted out by the feds. And I have footage of him going around collecting people's license plate numbers at the trucker rally. (laughs) Have that footage, folks. (laughs) It will be played at some point. Maybe not today. Maybe Friday. And I'll show you guys the proof that Ralph was collecting people's doxes and fucking filming their license plate numbers at the event. uh,
12: By the way, uh... Uh, fucking, uh, Ralph's been trying the last, like, three or four days, his damnedest to get out of the fight, which he can't, he can't seem to get out of it. You know, he, he has to fight me at this point, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Uh, so Boogie is going to fight, uh, Sam Hyde, and Boogie today posted this, I think this is interesting, uh, what do you all think? This is his form so far. Let's check it out. Boogie, go ahead.
1: Power. Look at the raw power in those shots. A fucking mastodon. A sexual tyrannosaur pumped up on testosterone. Play it again. Look at the power. Look, Look at, at the, the Sam's, done. Primal Sam's done. Sam's done, bro. Sam's felt it, buddy. Sam, going on. Going down in the very first round. Look at this fucking tech. Look at the fucking. Look at the way he times it, bro. Look at him fucking thing, too. That American one,
0: culture is in like this fucking impressive shit from that. I'm just saying, on YouTube, that, you know,
1: got the legs if, Sam, if, Sam just agrees, if Sam just agrees to stand in front of Boogie, they just swing and don't move at all. Boogie has at least a 1% chance to win this fight. <laughs> Can you imagine if he gets fucking throws, gets all of his weight behind one of those blows, and just connects right to Sam's chin. <laughs> Sam gets rocked, he's wobbled, he comes in with the fucking mean left hook after, and just puts him down for an eternity. Hey, hey, Sam Hodge will never fucking live it down. And,
12: and your internet's being a bit choppy, by the way.
1: What a disaster, hold do,
12: on. Do you, do you want to see if you can fix it? By the way, thank you so much. Saying Thank you all for the entertainment, thank you so much.
1: <laughs> I need to get it off the internet now all <laughs> you know, like a flamenco He's like flamenco's grandpa Is ashamed of him He's dead and he died ashamed Of his faggot yeah, grandson who got, who got bummed up the ass And I was like maybe ralph has the Point here you know maybe the grandpa Really was ashamed of flam <laughs> Apparently you know Ralph emailed this like Flam's porn history to his whole family Which is pretty fucked up I was just waiting for like Flam's dad to burst into his bedroom and be like I'm cutting it down now son! (laughs) I need to get it off the internet now! (laughs) know, like because Flam lives with his fucking parents still (laughs) I was waiting for them to kick him off the internet
0: Yeah, I'm just watching this purely for research purposes Oh man, what's, what's happened to what happened to Ralph? Is that it for Ralph?
1: But, uh, fuck you, Ralph, you slimeball piece of shit for doing wow, that to
12: Manko's family. Oh, my favorite thing that, that he ever bad. did was the fucking barbecue. Like the, and do you see this, you motherfucker? Like, it's, we'll watch it in a second here. Uh, Jack Tuckson, uh, Tucson for 10. Sneaking up to people. No, no, but, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Spring of Life for
1: i am well, the break i mean nick's saying it's Jaden didn't compliment him enough i didn't get
12: enough compliments, guys this today's show is insane it is absolutely a banger tonight everyone hit that fucking like button and welcome to the show we're gonna get into it right after i am uh and re- remember we're reading all the donos that are under t-
1: like copper where i'm at it's hurting his fuck, folks. Uh, so we get like one megabit per. First of all, look at the his posture, dude. everyone was like, no, like he's, he's like a hunchback. Like fine. Just, but look at this chin, bro. It's like fucking like how many chins? Oh is that, my bro? god! Like what the fuck, man? There's like a meat bag hanging, bro. Well, well, well like, he's like, passing from
0: like, a box. Come on, guys. <laughs>
1: Uh, Look at the first gen. Yeah, honorable like argument tricky. is facts He like has logic. Down syndrome or some sort of physical disability that involves mental retardation or.
0: Oh, oh, I, I gotta disavow the, these kind of puzzling insults.
11: Let's get back to the
0: high-minded conversation, um But, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's. Uh, I,
11: I mean, there was a. But all intelligent points is is when you get away from liberal rationality. I guess that's just what I'm I'm trying to put forward. It's like engaging in pure mathematics to understand politics. You're just going to reach these weird paradoxes. Both liberal arguments are correct. I can't find like logical faults with them, but that just proves that that's not the way you should think about the world. And Dave Chappelle is a lot smarter than middle-class liberal because he kind of gets it of like their incentives involved here and so on. And I think it actually is moral to apply pragmatism to this to the case of abortion and ask who's having these abortions.
13: Well, yes, indeed. I mean, we know it doesn't, the, there was research by Michael Woodley of Mani and his team, which found that there's no, uh, there's no correlation between intelligence and abortion. You think there might be, uh, yeah. because you, you thought, these, uh, perhaps there is now, but and it, perhaps it's changing. But when he did this study, um, based on what you, you have, two kinds of people that have abortions, you have these, uh, low IQ people basically that leave it too late and they can't uh use the morning after pill and so they have to have an yeah. abortion um and then you get sort of middle class unpleasant people yeah uh, and they and, and they have an abor- and, and also older people just women that are older uh, right. and they find out they've got a child with down syndrome or something and they have an abortion and they'll often be more intelligent um, and so uh, and so they, they sort of cancel each other out. So yeah. um, abortion doesn't seem to be doing anything to intelligence. It certainly doesn't seem to be reducing intelligence. Um, uh, it, it may even be increasing it because it strikes me that you've, the abortion statistics now, for America anyway, are that it's overwhelmingly poorer people that have abortions. Um, mm-hmm. and, that, and those people will tend to be of uh, lower uh, intelligence. And I guess this is because people that are increasingly people that are more educated and richer just aren't having babies. And so having babies and mm-hmm. plus abortions is a matter for the less well off. Uh, and then, of course, it's those personality traits. And those personality traits, I mean, like, they are dysgenic. Those are the kinds of people you don't want in the society. I mean, talk about a Christian perspective. There was actually um, a, a British, the Dean of St. Paul's Cathedral, uh, the very Reverend William Ng, and he presented a Christian case for eugenics, including abortion. And mm. he said uh, a, a good tree, he said the, the, the Sermon on the Mount itself implies that humans are animals that can be worse or better bred. And he said mm. a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. It says that in the Bible. And, and he said this is quite clear saying that we should have, that we should have Um, eugenics. And he said that eugenicists believe that unless civilization is guided by scientific principles, it must come to ruin. We stand by scientific as against emotional or sentimentalist ethics. And uh, yeah, he was a leading
11: Christian of his time. I mean, look, I, I, God bless him. uh, But that's, that's not, (laughs) you rarely hear that kind those kinds of sentiments from Christians. In fact, what we've seen is a kind of reaction to the Texas law of of almost endorsing dysgenics, of promoting uh, Down syndrome births. Uh, all, I, I think, 80 to 100 percent of which are uh, terminated in, in, in European countries like France and Iceland. I was, I was looking at the statistics of these. And they are the majority of them are, are terminated in the United States through abortion. Um, but uh, again, you, the, the people who are really in support of the, the, the Texas law were just it's they were 70%. becoming almost radically dysgenic.
13: 70 percent in the United States, Down syndrome, 90 percent in Britain. And okay. in Iceland, they have a, they, they, they have a policy that they want to be Down syndrome free. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, uh, you do notice it. I remember when I was a child, you would see these people with Down syndrome about. Um, yeah. And now you don't. They're all dead, and um, there aren't new ones.
11: Finland. Well Some of them host podcasts. Finland. <laughs>
13: <laughs> Finland has Finland has a, a rate of fifty uh, percent only for Down syndrome autism. Right. So you you do see quite a few of them here. But uh, no, not in not. And the expense involved. I mean, I cannot. The expense and the illness and the whatever it is is unbelievable. The expense. Yeah. And and the constant chronic illness that they have. It's long, a huge, long list of terrible problems.
11: Right. And but, we're just in a different society. I mean, the sadly, I mean, we we just have to recognize this fact that children were once considered assets and are now kind of considered liabilities. Now, I am perfectly willing to impoverish myself on behalf of my children because I get it. But the fact is, it, it, you, you don't have more kids and then they help out at the farm. And it's almost like this just benefit. You're, you're getting dividends from children. No, it, you you have children and, and you, you raise them. That's a lot of time, uh, money for education and so on going forward. And whether they're going to actually take care of you uh, when you're 90 times or something bad. you know, you hope so rough, but it's not guaranteed we just had a different
3: we didn't have leaks in this
11: campaign we didn't have people
3: stabbing each other in the back we were JD a Vince team and we will be a team all the way Ohio. to november <clears throat> um i have absolutely got to thank the 45th the president of the united states donald j trump ladies and gentlemen One forgiveness example of what could be in this country, ladies and gentlemen, remember 2019 when wages were going up and not down? Remember 2019 when workers were doing well in this country, not struggling terribly? Thanks to the president for everything, for endorsing me. And I got to say, a lot of the fake news media out there, and, and, and there are some good ones in the back there, There's some bad ones too, let's be honest. <laughs> but they wanted to write a story that this campaign would be the death of Donald Trump's America first agenda ladies and gentlemen it ain't the death of the America first agenda it wasn't just the president of course we had a lot of endorsements especially some of our early endorsements I want to make sure I, I give some shout outs to Penny Nance a great advocate for life and for people all across the country
5: you know, um, uh, let me go back to
0: Okay, let's uh, check in on Russia versus Ukraine, almost as big as Ethan Routh versus Woski.
14: Hey everyone, Peter Zine here coming to you from Colorado. Today I wanted to talk about the change in the Russian strategy, not necessarily from an economic point of view, but more from a political one. The key issue was that giant convoy on the third day of the war that was coming from Belarus down to Kiev, something like 40 miles long, thousands of vehicles. And it stalled out in a day because the Russians forgot fuel trucks. And then it got abandoned for a while because the Russians forgot food and logistical supply. And that's kind of been the defining factor of the war to this point, is the Russians just seem to be utterly incompetent in logistics and multi-domain operations. So the West took one lesson from that, which I've already spoken to. The Russians took another one. The Russians now realize that they're not going to be welcomed in as liberators. And that means they view the entire Ukrainian population and anyone who supports them as a mortal enemy. The Russians feel that this is an existential crisis for them. They, they know that if I can't advance just through Ukraine, but beyond it, that they're not going to be able to survive in the long term from a strategic point of view. They just don't have the demographic strength to do it. So the whole idea is you use your troops to plug gaps. But first, they have to get through Ukraine. And so they're falling back on a much older strategy, one they used against Napoleon, one they used against Hitler, one they used in Chechnya, one they used in Syria. And that is the complete obliteration of all civilian infrastructure. And the idea behind that is threefold. Number one, if you make an area uninhabitable uh, in industrial age, then people feel they have to leave. So number two, it generates a huge number of refugees by design. And then third, you have a lot of people who for whatever reason stay, uh, most of whom are not fighters, but the Russians don't care. Their idea is if you destroy all the civilian infrastructure and someone stays behind, then clearly they have an independent food supply that's coming from abroad. So clearly they are a fair game and you can kill them on sight. To that end, the Russians have recalled most of their Wagner group mercenaries. They've recruited militants from within the Syrian space. They're tapping the Chechens. And basically, the Russians are advancing slowly with artillery until there's nothing left standing. And then they send in these groups to execute on site everyone they find. We also know from Russian intercepts uh, that the Bucha massacres were not one-offs. They're happening throughout the space that the Russians have occupied. It's it's inhumane by really any measure, but the Russians are very good at fighting this sort of war. Also, by design, it generates a huge number of refugees. So as-
0: okay, I just want to check in with Fox News at the top of the hour here.
1: Getting with 360. Uh, this weekend is going to be on which? Which do you identify with? If you think it ought to be birthing person's day, you ought to be
0: a Democrat. If you think it ought to be Mother's Day, you ought to be a Republican. It's that simple, and that's why
1: they're going to lose, and I think lose maybe for two generations because they're just nuts. But, but
5: first, yeah, well, I mean, look, if if Kevin McCarthy, if you're right, and apparently the president was not angry at the tapes that were released, and they have made amends, that's between them. I'm not getting in the middle of that. But if they follow your lead, that you laid out an agenda, a positive agenda, to save the country like you did in 94. It will be 94, 2010, and maybe even bigger. Uh, Anyway, Mr. Speaker, thanks for being with us. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have left. Please set your DVR. Never miss an episode. Thank you for making this show possible. Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, a great show. Laura, Laura Ingram is next. Have a great night.
7: I'm Laura Ingram. This is Ingram Angle from a hysterical Washington tonight. Thanks for joining us. We're going to have more on J.D. Vance's big Ohio win a little bit later in the show and other races that went the America first way. But first, the anti-Democrats. That's the focus of tonight.
0: Okay, we'll pass on that.
3: Let's get back to Zion. As of
14: April 29, the day I'm recording this, we already know there's at least 8.3 million refugees who have fled the country and another 7.7 that are internally displaced within the country. And the UN estimates that there's another 12 million Ukrainians who are trapped in place by the war because of either the destruction of the infrastructure or the shells are still falling. So that's collectively, that's half over half of Ukraine's pre-war population. And we know now that the russians are going to do this everywhere uh it doesn't matter to the russians who the target is so for example the cities of kharkiv and Mariupol have been under assault since the beginning these are ethnic russian cities these are places that were relatively pro-russia before the war they're certainly not now and that means that the russian strategy of tapping fifth columns before the war probably isn't going to carry on because whether you're a russian in kazakhstan or Georgia, or Latvia, or Moldova, you now know uh, that the Russians really don't care about not just their ethnic kin, but their their own ethnicity. And that changes some of the math.
13: I don't think we failed, frankly. We, we conduct our military operations. It's not a war. It's a military operation. It has its own uh, strategy. It's, it has its own aims.
14: Now, because of the size of the refugee community, it's already far larger than any refugee movements we have seen in history ever and it's happened so fast uh, so more people are now displaced than during even the indian partitions uh, and there's only so many people who can help uh, one of the groups that can help is a group called the afya foundation afyafoundation.org it's a group that we have decided to help share uh, with the world and i've got least as many people as possible afya is now bring uh, it gains across the entire country and that means we have a country of 45 million people that is either going to descend into partisan warfare or into a massive refugee community or both. So please give what you can so that folks like AFU can kind of get a jump start on this. and Put together that's about 15,000 miles of interconnected waterway. Now why is that important? Two things. One, moving stuff from A to B is a bit of a bitch. But moving it by water is actually pretty easy. In terms of locomotion costs. it's 1 15th the cost. Once you add in everything from the taxes that go into the infrastructure, it's about one fiftieth to 1 70th the cost based on where you are. The United States has 15,000 miles in one system. The rest of the world combined has 13,000 miles. So it doesn't matter if we elect a monkey, we're gonna be okay. Because we have this as an advantage and it overlays the greatest chunk of arable land on the planet. We are always going to be capital rich as a result because it's just cheaper for us to move things from A to B. Second, we are the only country on the planet that has a spatial orientation that allows us to have a major population on both trading basins. So when the Asians are in recession, we can trade with the Europeans. When the Europeans are in recession, we can trade with the Asians. When we're in recession, we export it to the world because we're just that kind of people. That's not really a joke. Every recession we've had since 1945 has gone global. We have yet to import one as a side effect of this.
0: Yeah. So when you can't talk about what you want to talk about, meaning the interests of your people, all right, you have to use proxies like abortion. That's the overall theme for tonight. Now, there's a downside in having to always talk in euphemisms, always having to talk in proxy terms having to say lies out loud, such as you know, every individual of every group is just equally talented, is that when you speak lies and you write lies, you start to think in lies. Right? So we're not coming to grips with this massive crime wave and traffic fatality wave and pedestrian death wave that's hitting United States of America because we can't be specific about, you know, which groups are suffering the most, which is the, the black community. All right, blacks have had an astronomical increase in driving deaths since the George Floyd riots. As police have cut back on policing, as police have stopped back on making routine traffic stops, then we've had an explosion of bad driving, and that has resulted in a rapid increase in black deaths. It has not resulted in a rapid increase in white deaths or Asian deaths on the road. So the people who are behaving more cautiously, they, generally speaking, are not being victimized by this rapid increase in traffic death, pedestrian death, and in crime. We've had a massive explosion in crime since George Floyd died. And we can't talk honestly about law enforcement and public education and public transportation because we can't talk honestly about how different groups have different gifts. And so Republicans have been waging a battle for their people's interest using abortion as a proxy. But now it seems that they may well have finally achieved their golden grail of reversing Roe v. Wade, and the results may be absolutely disastrous for Republicans. I'm not sure I'm not predicting that, but it's certainly possible. The conventional wisdom is that uh, this development of the Supreme Court appearing to be on track to reverse Roe v. Wade will be very good for Democrats. That's the conventional wisdom. So maybe Republicans will be hoisted on their own petard because Republicans and conservative activists have not been able to speak for what they really want to advocate for because they had to use euphemisms. Now they've internalized these euphemisms so that people get all emotional about abortion, for example, and and think that abortion is such a critical issue. Now they get what they want, and we'll see if they get hoisted on their own petard. Laura Ingram's making a good point here if if the case for you know, unlimited access for abortion, all right, for the, at least the first trimester is, is so widespread and so popular, then why do Democrats fear this case going to the people?
7: Well, at least he admitted what was really happening, the killing of a child. Well, I know the left loves confusing people, but let's be clear about this overturning Roe, I'll say it slowly for you, does not mean abortion is outlawed in all 50 states, although that's what the pro-life community are hoping and praying for, for sure. Overturning Roe simply means, again, I'll go slowly, that voters in each state will have a say in how abortion would be regulated, if at all. Now, Roe took that decision away from the voters by making this spurious argument That abortion itself was a fundamental right protected in the 14th Amendment. And I have a question tonight. Why are pro-abortion forces so upset? Because if abortion is as popular as they claim, why are they worried about what happens next?
0: That's a good point.
7: Because if abortion is indeed popular, Democrats should be thrilled to test that theory out in all 50 states. But I'll tell you what's really going on. They do not trust the people. Because if the voters choose something right. Progressivism is fundamentally about the
0: rule of the elites. Communism is fundamentally about the rule of the elites. Left wing, the further you go left, the more and more it's about replacing the sovereignty of the people with the sovereignty of experts. So when you have left wing parties in power, they are increasingly anti populist. The populist believes in the wisdom and the virtue of the common person. Right. Progressives are populism's enemies, right? Progressives, leftists, socialists communists, they believe in rule by the elites and they believe in the elites doing what is best for the people. And so populists can be on the left or they can be on the right. And Joe Biden has many populist tendencies. But in the Western world today, populism is much more associated with the right because leftism has become increasingly the religion, the governing ideology of the ruling class and of the elites who are inherently anti-populist. And the elites stay in power by making pragmatic alliances with various segments of society, be it the middle class, the upper class, the lower classes. The elites like a pluralist society because pluralism destroys the power of the people because the people no longer feel they have much in common, so the people become so increasingly divided into various subsections that the people cannot effectively mount a rebellion against the ruling elites and the ruling class. So you have populism and progressivism, they're opposites, right? Pluralism, progressivism, leftism, socialism, communism, these are all on the left and they all believe in rule by experts. And then you have populism, which believes in the virtue of the people and that the people's sovereignty should should dominate. And so the left, you see by their reaction to this ruling, how much they distrust the people. And I'm not a populist, I'm a populist in some things, I believe in expert rule in other things. I don't think the elites are typically more wrong than the populace or less wrong than the populace. I don't instinctively side with the populace or the elites or the experts or the ruling class or, or the lower classes. I, I just go wherever I feel like the truth is leading me. But Laura Ingram's
7: touching on something thing, important here. Or someone that the left doesn't like, they'll say the system is broken. They try to rig the system then. So Right, so
0: when the leftists and the media and academic elites say, you know, our democracy is broken, they don't mean democracy as in the will of the people, right? If you're pro-democracy, you're pro this apparent uh, Supreme Court ruling because it restores sovereignty to, to the people, right? But they say our democracy, not democracy, our democracy is broken. And what do they mean by our democracy? They increasingly mean rule by experts, and rule by the elites rather than rule by the people. So it's our democratic institutions which are broken institutions they feel like they can control, right? Our democratic institutions which increasingly give power to an administrative state and to a ruling class of experts who cannot be held in check by the will of the people. So the more diverse America is, the less you have a people who can effectively rebel against a ruling class against elite class against rule-by experts. So that
7: conservatives never win again. Hence their incessant talk over things like court packing, you heard that tedious chant, and ending the filibuster, etc. So, if they win, America still has a functioning democracy. If they lose, it's all illegitimate and a sign that democracy is on the ropes.
3: If Republicans uh, win in the midterm elections, uh, that voting as we know it in this country... And we'll be gone. Our democracy is at risk. And if the House takes back the, is taken back by the Republicans, our democracy will be stepped on again.
7: Yeah, the ironic thing is these so-called progressives, that they've been, they're the ones that have been tearing down our democratic institutions, trashing our norms, and all of our procedures, literally ripping down our historical statues and monuments. No votes there. They've been doing this for years now. They allege that our systems of commerce, government, business, of course, now the court, structurally racist. So
0: Laura Ingram was about the first major political player who came out in serious support for Donald Trump. So she came out in support for Donald Trump in, I think, late May of 2015. And she was the first major person to do so. And she did so primarily on the issue of immigration.
7: They say our framers were racist. And now they want to prevent certain GOP candidates even, who they don't like, who, and certainly don't think like someone they'll tolerate like Mitt Romney, they want to prevent them from even running for office at all. They believe free speech on social media is dangerous. They believe that Fox News should be outlawed. Their ideal type of government, these big pro-democracy people, their ideal type of government produces places like New York City and Chicago. Americans have begun, though, to figure it all out, haven't they? What's become of these modern Democrats? They don't want an independent media, just like they don't want an independent judiciary. And they certainly don't want many of the states to be self-governing or to set their own priorities on issues that are important to those states. Today's Democrats prefer that a small, homogeneous group of elites order the rest of us around. My friends, that is not democracy. No serious person do. thought that the framers wrote the 14th the Amendment to just validate whatever would end, would end up being the New York Times. Edit. Was old is new.
0: The Memories song from John Hinckley, We Are Drifting are on the Sea.
4: They're as, as can be It's all these things I feel We are drifting on the sea. All the ups and downs I had along the way. The long and mournful sounds, the hell I had to pay. But everything's all right. Everyone I know is free The sun is shining bright We are drifting on the sea Everyone is here Waiting for the time It is like the wind so sublime I am just a guy who made it through the rain I really don't know why I overcame the pain but now we got a chance it's just you and me Different circumstance We are drifting on the sea Everyone is here Waiting for the time It is like the wind Looking so sublime came the pain But now we got a chance It's just you and me A different circumstance We are drifting on the sea A different circumstance We are drifting on the sea
0: Thanks, John. Good night. Bye-bye.